1: sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven." But when the man heard this, he became very sad, for he was very rich. And the implication is he considered his stuff in this world more important than eternal life.
0: You may not consider yourself very rich, but are there things in your life, stuff that takes you away from serving Christ? Well, the conversation today from uh, Pastor Leighton Scheele of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is a part of the Art of Living series, and it deals with money. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. So glad you could join us. If you'd like to know more about uh, Church of the Highlands, they're on the web
1: at highlands.us. Lord, we ask you to be our teacher now. As we turn our attention to your word, we ask you to transform the way we think, and speak and act by the power of your word and your spirit at work within us. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke, Luke chapter 12, the gospel of Luke chapter 12. And actually we're going to be going from Luke 12 to Luke 18 and Luke 19 this morning. But I want you to start in, uh, in Luke 12. Now, in the summer, we did a sermon series entitled Doctrine, which was to discover what what uh, Christians believe. And, and, and we, we studied the Apostles' Creed because it's one of the earliest statements of faith of the Christian church. It reads, "'I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day He rose again from the dead.' He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from whence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic, meaning universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the flesh, and life everlasting. Amen. And so we studied because we wanted to know what we believe, and we wanted to know why we believe what we believe. And then having then established that, the logical next step was how to apply these truths to our daily life, and that was the inspiration for the sermon series on the art of living. We've looked at a number of the ways that our Christianity affects our perspectives on various things, and today we're going to look on how it affects us in regards to money. With regards to money, you know in light of what in light of what Jesus has done for us, uh, what ought we do for him He's our savior he 's our our king, he's our Lord we're part of his eternal kingdom. Uh, his will comes first, our first allegiance is to him, he is our master, and we are warned that we should have no other masters. Uh, Jesus said, "No servant can serve two masters." Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve both God and money. You've got to make a choice. Who are you going to serve? Is it God or is it money? In Luke chapter 12, Jesus said, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Luke 12, 13, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, "'Man, who made uh, appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you?' And then he said to them, "'Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions.'" And he told them this parable, "'The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, "'What shall I do? I, I have no place to store my crops.'" And then he said, "'This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones.'" And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Yeah, that's where the phrase came from, right here. And uh, so he, he said, I've got, I, I got stuff laid up for many years. I want to enjoy for many years. He assumed that his life was secure because of his wealth. And maybe even he, he assumed that life came from his wealth. But God said to him, by the way, there's a lot of people today that believe this. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. And then then who will get what you prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich towards God. And so what Jesus did here is he warned against hoarding worldly things, and making that the the focus rather than giving attention to the eternal things of importance like our relationship with God. You see, for Jesus, greed is not only a a love of money, but it's also an excessive preoccupation with it. He says a man's life doesn't consist consist in the abundance of possession. The word consist indicates a, a personal identity. A lot of people identify themselves with their statement of net worth, With their wealth. And if if the wealth disappears, they've got no more reason to live because their life is so tied, so associated with their possessions. In effect, the possessor no longer possesses the possessions. But the possessions possess the possessor. And such was the case of a rich ruler in Luke chapter 18. Would you turn there? Luke chapter 18 Verse 18, once a religious leader asked Jesus this question, good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him, only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments, you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've obeyed all of these commandments since I was young, And when Jesus heard this answer, he said, there's still one thing you haven't done. What's the first commandment? To love God. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the man heard this, he became very sad for he was very rich. Jesus gave him an either or decision. And the implication is he considered his wealth his stuff in this world more important than eternal life. He wasn't willing to give it up. That made him sad. When Jesus saw this, he said, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this said, then who in the world can be saved? And he replied, what is impossible for people is possible with God. What is impossible with people is possible with God. And we have an example of that in chapter 19, verse 1. So I invite you to turn there. Now, at the end of chapter 18, Jesus and his entourage are coming towards Jericho and there is a blind beggar who says, Son of David, heal me, and Jesus does. That news spreads throughout the town that Jesus is coming into, and there are great crowds. So uh, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. I might say this, that um, sometimes it's pronounced Zacchaeus and sometimes it's Zacchaeus, and uh, I've pronounced it both ways because I've heard it both ways. I understand that the proper way of pronouncing it is Zacchaeus, uh, I was talking with somebody the other night, and when he was growing up, he learned, he learned it as Zacchaeus, then he went overseas, and they pronounced it Zacchaeus. So it's just so we're all on the same page, Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus is the same person, okay? All right, there by the name of Zacchaeus, he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see Jesus, who see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, Jesus is gone to be the guest of a sinner? But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. So Jesus announced that a miracle had happened. What was impossible with people is possible with God. Salvation had come to a house that day. Now, a little background is helpful for understanding how Zacchaeus went from being a sinner, as described in verse 7, to saved, the son of Abraham. And uh, Zacchaeus is described here as being a tax collector, in fact, a chief tax collector. Now, tax collectors are usually not very popular. I mean, that's true today. Uh, if you work for the IRS, you probably don't announce that when you're invited to a party, right? Um, <clears throat> and, and it was especially true in the time of Jesus because the nation was under military, uh, Roman military occupation, and the Roman Empire levied heavy taxes in order to enrich Rome and to keep the people destitute and unable to rise up in rebellion. And the way they accomplished this was by selling uh, territories uh, in an auction uh, to the highest bidder. And the highest bidder didn't receive any salary for his work, but what he did is he collected as much money as he could, and he sent the part back to Rome that he had uh, guaranteed, and he kept the rest for himself. And that's how they made their money. And uh, as a result, these people were uh, considered traitors and, and outcasts and, and sinners. The tax collectors were some of the wealthiest and most hated people in the land. And, and Zacchaeus, according to scriptures, was wealthy. He's also the only chief publican or the chief, chief tax collector that we read about in the New Testament. And it's not surprising that he would be in Jericho because Jericho was one of the three major tax centers in the region, the others being Caesarea and Capernaum. They had an enormous uh, palm groves and balsam gardens uh, uh, process there and it was so valuable that history records that Antony gave them to Cleopatra as a a source of revenue, but Herod the Great redeemed them for his own benefit. Now, in order to get these positions of being tax collectors and chief tax collectors, uh, basically, a person had to sacrifice everything. And
0: we'll pick it up right there on the next edition of uh, Study Verse by Verse. From Pastor Layton Sheely and the congregation at Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, you can find out more about the church. Perhaps you're looking for a church home on their website at highlands.us. That's highlands.us. There is a website for this particular ministry, and you can join with us. You can help us uh, financially as we continue to air on this radio station and reach out both here and on the internet at studyversebyverse.com. We'd love to get your feedback. Your encouragement in that way means a great deal to us. Again, study versebyverse.com and the church, Highlands.us. Details about all that's going on at the church can be found on that website. That's Highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. We'll be back tomorrow with more in this Art of Living series, dealing specifically with money at this same time. And I hope you can join us when Pastor Layton opens the Word of God once again, and we study verse by verse.